Hello, Weird Friends, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Gifts of the Weird. This episode is special. It marks the second anniversary of the podcast. I'm really honored and proud to have this opportunity to create safe podcasting airspace for inclusive modern heathenry, and I'm really looking forward to continuing to make more podcasts and have more guests on and have a lot of fun creating episodes about heathenry and modern practices runes and all kinds of great things that we've been working on so thanks thank you again for your support it's really appreciated i want to thank tanya three for the new intro music that we're using it's track 18 from her album the voluspa it stands of 31 and it talks about valkyries and it's really a great piece the whole album is really cool and it's available on cd baby last month i was blessed to attend pantheacon over president's day weekend in san jose california now, for those of you that don't know, PantheaCon is a large pagan convention held annually by Ancient Ways, located in Berkeley, and it's held on the West Coast in San Jose. So it appears to be the largest such convention in the western part of the United States. I could be mistaken, but so far it seems like it is the largest. It draws anywhere from uh, 1,800 to 2,500 attendees throughout the course of the weekend, which is a Monday through Friday, uh, correction, it's a Friday through Monday, and it's really a lot of fun. There's a lot of uh, workshops and rituals and uh, sessions, drumming sessions, and all kinds of great things to do that cover the entire spectrum of pagan studies, and it's really a great weekend. Program schedule includes around 200 workshops, panels, rituals, and they're hosted by a variety of presenters. And those presenters are from different paths and they include different topics as well. The organizers, which is, again, is Ancient Ways, create an inclusive space where folks just starting their path to those who have journeyed a long time in their path can learn, meet new people, and they can interact uh, with a variety of different experiences. And it's in a space where most of the attendees have a similar goal, which is to be with people of a like mind for the weekend. In addition to the regular programming, uh, there is a wonderful vendor room uh, that has many great hard-to-resist items. Let me tell you, this vending room is hard to resist. There's some really great things in there. It's got books and clothing, jewelry, artwork, altar items, magical tools, almost anything that you need on your path, your magical work or your study that you can find there, and probably much more. One of the really nice parts of PantheaCon is the offering of the hospitality suites. Now, hospitality suites are rooms in the hotel that are set up by different groups to provide a space outside of the regular schedule for attendees to relax, talk one-on-one, -on -one, learn about specific paths or groups, or to enjoy just some fun meet and greets. There's a lot of evenings where there's meet and greets where you can just go and mingle with people and have something to drink or snack on maybe do some listen to some great music or dance or, or whatever and it's just a lot of fun and sometimes these parties can go on well into the night it's a great opportunity to meet some people make some new acquaintances make some new contacts and and even make some new friends this year the Heathen Hospitality Hall was hosted by the Alliance for Inclusive Heathenry, and it included some events that were specific to heathenry in addition to the regular programming. These included bloats to Odin and Sigin, as well as a talk by wise woman Hillary on Frith and Grith. The hall is often 
uh, filled with folks hanging out to talk about the gods and goddesses, practices, and other interesting topics. Whatever comes up of conversation can get very, very lively and very, very filled with people. And sometimes there are maybe eight or ten conversations going on. And it's really a great experience and a lot of fun. This year, I really enjoyed the Sigin Bloat that was held by Lisa. It was really an honor and uh, really exciting to uh, stand with others as we honored Loki's wife and to show the appreciation we have to her for her examples of devotion and compassion. And it was really a nice, it was a morning bloat. We had a really nice time and really got to experience a nice connection with her. So thanks, Lisa, and thanks, Heathen Hospitality Hall, for that bloat, as well as the other programming that was held and the other activities that you did to present this year after year after year. It's really a great space. There were a few heathen-related workshops and rituals on the main programming, including a chat with Odin, a Sage session by Sage Haller and Diana Paxson, a rune class taught by Drew of Just Rewards. There was a ritual for Nerthus, the mother of the Vanir, by the Vanit Conspiracy. There were two workshops that I was really looking forward to by Kedrick Olson about Galdercraft, but they had to be canceled because he was unable to make it at the last minute. So I'm hoping that next year he will be able to come back and be able to present those workshops, or maybe I'll get another opportunity sometime in between now and then to meet him and, and work with him on Galdercraft. My partner and I hosted a divination hospitality suite where we provided a space for folks who are interested in divination techniques such as tarot, oracles, Lenormand, and of course, runes, where these people can come in and hang out and share experiences, talk about their favorite tools or their favorite card decks, things like that. We were also really excited that we had a live podcast recording of Tarot Visions with Jamie and Rose Red. That was really cool. We had a our own classes in there, a couple of workshops, a crafting workshop, and our deck exchange where people can bring in a deck or uh, some sort of a divination tool that's no longer working for them and they can pass it on to someone else by trading or exchanging it for something that someone else has left. So it's a lot of fun and we get to meet some really interesting people and have some uh, good conversations around divination and uh, that's always a great opportunity for us to to meet and expand our horizons that way. If you happen to have a President's Day weekend free and are in the San Jose area or will be in the San Jose, or you can make a trip to San Jose, PantheaCon is really a great experience. Information on that event can be found at PantheaCon.com. I'll put a link in the notes, so check there. So our last episode was kind of a cross-posting episode that I had done for the Troths podcast about Frithforge. After Frithforge, um, I joined several people, about seven other people, and we went on a little journey. And we did a Sacred Sites tour of Germany. And our host, Heimo, was a really gracious host. He did a lot of planning. He rented a bus for us so that we could all load up in this van and kind of travel across the central part of Germany and visit these great sacred sites. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that so that um, you could uh, maybe share that experience with me and think about some places if you want to go to Germany and want to find some places that you might want to check out. Well, here's a great way to do that. After we left the 
uh, Frith Forge site, uh, we jumped into the van and uh, headed directly towards the Saxony-Anhalt area of Germany. And we stopped at the Ringheiligtum Pömmelche, uh, which is a, a 4,300-year-old wood henge. The henge area was discovered in 1991 near the Elbe River. And what they did was is they were flying overhead and taking pictures and noticed some indentations or some patterns in the ground below them. And when they excavated and, and took a look into it, uh, they found traces of old post holes in the soil. And from that, they were able to determine that there was a henge. And what they did was is they reconstructed, reconstructed the henge with uh, 1,200 locust tree posts in seven concentric circles. And the evidence indicates that the site was likely used for religious purposes, including animal sacrifice. And it's really a cool setup the way they have it. It's out in the middle of this field. You, as you drive up to it, all of a sudden you see this uh, wood circle, this circle of wood posts as it was going on. We wandered around it, the eight of us, and it was a nice, cool, sunny day. Finally, uh, we were here, there in the center, and we kind of determined that we were going to maybe do a little bloat to the ancestors of that land and the nature spirits there and just kind of give them a little thank you for, uh, one, rediscovering this place and for all that went on before. So we took a horn of mead out. We had some really yummy mead. So we held a symbol at the center of the ring to honor all that had been found there, the ancestors of the era, the land vader, and, of course, the gods. There we were in the center, and it was really cool, the wind kind of blowing, and uh, it was very nice. So then we just uh, loaded up in the car after spending about two hours there and made it on to our next location. The next day, we traveled to the geographic center of modern Germany. It's called Niederdorla. It's in the Thuringen region, and we visited um, a site called the Opfermoor Folktei Oberdorla, and it's an archaeological park and museum. They've excavated uh, the site there, and they found evidence of continuous religious activity from about the 6th century before Common Era through to about the 11th century, which is right when Christianity really got a stronghold and kind of put an end to the, the local sacrifices and the local religious experiences in, in favor of Christianity. One of the things that really preserved a lot of the remains was that it was a peat bog and a pond on top of that. So once it got all kind of covered up with peat and dirt and stuff like that, it really wasn't excavated or anything since then. So it was really, they've been able to really active, excavate some nice areas and some nice examples of items throughout the history of it. So it was really, really nice. The site includes an exhibit of a reconstruction third century buildings a house and a couple of side buildings that kind of showed what life was likely like in that period. And for those who want to go back and live in that time, it was a lot of rough living. So um, you really got to be devoted to that. Uh, they found some cult images such as God poles. They found ritual tools. They found evidences from the sacrifices that were made, such as bones that had indications of being burnt and other items and uh, it was really well preserved material so they can really reconstruct a lot of what they think happened there and it makes a, a lot of valuable information about the culture about the diet the types of tools that were used the animals that were there how they provided animal husbandry it was really nice the small museum on the site is really a 
filled with a lot of a lot of items and it was really cool we got to wander around there for a while and one of the areas they've reconstructed some altars of what they think they probably would have been like and brought out the horn and some mead and we did a nice little uh, sumble around there again to thank the the landvader and the uh, all of the people that had lived before us in that area and those that will come after us. So it was a really, really cool experience. We had a great time. From there, we continued on to the Hesse region and we went to the Frau Holla Tyke. The Frau Holla Tyke is the pond of Frau Holla. And we met authors Gardenstone and his wife, Hannah Laura. And they gave us a nice little bit of history and stories about Frau Holla which is really, really cool. It was nice to have somebody locally there, especially Gardenstone. Gardenstone has written a book about Frahalla, and he's also written some books in German and Dutch, and he's had some translated into English, such as The Gods and Goddesses of the Germanic Peoples, Volumes 1 and 2, and a couple of other books, and I will have a link to his website in the, the notes. So please check him out. Uh, he does have some... Uh, books available through Amazon and they are print-on-demand here in the, in the States. If you order directly from him in Germany where he and his wife live, you can get books that he'll sign and some of those books have color plates whereas the books printed in the US do not print with the color plates. They're only printed in black and white. So if you like to have the color plates and the gods and goddesses of the Germanic peoples has some really gorgeous artwork in there that was created for the book. I think it's really worthwhile to have those in the color plates. Uh, he took us on a tour there. We got to hang out at the pond and uh, there at the pond is a a wood statue that was uh, erected about 2001 or so, or no correction, it was in 2004. It depicts Frau Hola holding a pillow which is a reference to the belief that when it snows, that's Frau Hola who is shaking out her feather bed. It was really serene. We just had some light drizzle of rain. It was nice and cool, probably in the mm, high 60s or so. One of the highlights of it was when we could sing Heil dir Hola, which was written by my friend Birgit Knorr. And uh, we sang that over the pond. Heil dir Hola, Hora Frau. Just got to hear the brooks dripping water in and the glistening of the, the rain on the leaves and crunching of the leaves as we hike, hiked around. And then Gardenstone um, told us a lot of great stories and history about the area. So it was really a wonderful time listening to Gardenstone. Then afterwards, we went to the little town where we were going to spend the night, and we ate schnitzel with Gardenstone and Hannah Laura, and had a really, really great time. It was a really exciting experience there. For me, that was the highlight of the, the Sacred Sites tour, and 
it was really hard to pick a highlight because we had so much fun at all of the places. But for me, that was a really, really nice connection to uh, Frajola and to that part of the, the country and to her and, and to her. The next morning, we got aboard the bus, headed out towards uh, the stones called Externsteine, which is an impressive geological feature located in the Teutoburg Forest in the North Rhine-Westphalia region of Germany. Now, the Externsteine is a group of tall, narrow sandstone rock formations that were basically created by erosion. And... It's really cool because you just walk along this path through this kind of a forest and all of a sudden all of these stones are just standing straight up there. And it was believe, long believed to be a sacred site for pre-Christian Saxons, but um, there's not really a lot of evidence about that. So it, it just indicates that the area was mostly used for commerce, uh, mostly used for trade, travel. Uh, it's There's a big path that goes through there. There's a path that uh, used to be a well-known traveling road. So there's not a lot of evidence that it was a definitely sacred site. In the middle 20th century, the site was of extreme interest to the Nazi regime. They really tried to prove that it was used as a sacred site, so they did a lot of archaeological excavations, and they invested a lot. A lot of archaeologists were there during the Nazi regime to try to prove that this was indeed a sacred site. Uh, all they found were some stone tools, some remains of fires, and some other evidence uh, indicating that it was likely used for shelter. There's a lot of caves that have been carved into the stones. So... Any evidence of religious significance begins with the Christianization of the region, which dates to about 1100s common era. The pillars have many chambers that are carved in them, a stone altars on top of the columns, and then there's a relief carved into it depicting a Christian scene. We had a great tour guide that was there, and he gave us a lot of information about the area. And then we got to climb up to the top and wander around, and uh, it was really, really cool. It was a nice, cool day, a little bit misty. So now, there was a place that kind of looks like a, a platform or a stand. Uh, a couple of us, of course, climbed up there and had a nice time, and it would have been a great place to hold a save session in days, or even now, if we could get the clearance, that would have been really cool. Next stop was at a place called the Kalkriza. Uh, this is an area where the Germanic tribes of the region were led by Arminus in nine common era, and they ambushed three Roman legions and were able to destroy them as the Romans were trying to uh, come up and conquer the, the local Germanic people. So that was uh, quite an experience. Uh, it was kind of cool to be in that area and... and uh, uh, it was really uh, an interesting uh, battlefield there, and it was nice to see the history, or to learn the history of that area. In the next couple of days, we visited some grave mounds. A lot of these were reconstructed. They were moved as civilization kind of expanded out, and they wanted to build airfields or put in some housing tracks or things, and they would find these these grave mound areas, and rather than just destroy them outright, a lot of the times the local governments would just relocate the grave mounds. They would excavate them. First of all, they would carefully mark them and, and document them, and then they would excavate them, move them to another location where they could 
preserve them and restructure them in the way that they were found. A couple of them we were able to find in their original locations, but it was still really cool to be amongst those grave mounds and those stones that were once a tomb for folks, and uh, it was really pretty cool. Our final stop was at Schleswig, which is way in the north, north of Hamburg, very near the border of Denmark and Germany. It's where the Viking Age settlement of Haithabu was located. The Haithabu Museum was closed at the time, so we went to a, a nearby museum. We got to see an excavated Viking ship, and then we just got to wander about the, the city there. And we had a really great host and hostess named Rafe and Marcia Matthias from the Beowulf shop there. And uh, we got to walk along the, the Mythenpad, which is really cool because the Beowulf store has commissioned with the the locals there to paint the electric boxes with scenes from the the lore and the saga so we've got like a freya crying tears of gold and heimdall blowing gallarhorn and odins on on them ravens and ships and things and it's really cool to walk along this path to see these scenes on these electrical boxes then also a couple along there's a couple of big stone or correction wood pillars one is carved for freya one is carved for tear and then there's one that's got the whole nine worlds on it and it's a really a, an impressive bit of carving there so that was the end of the tour had a really great time and really enjoyed hanging out with these folks um, it was a truly international group we had so we just had a really really good time and it was really great to hang out with everyone and spend that time together so and we want to thank of course Haimo for the excellent tour guide uh, he was uh, impeccable with uh, finding a great experience for us in good hotels and we just had a really nice time Thanks for joining me on this wrap-up of PantheaCon and the Frith Forge Sacred Sites Tour. I had a great time, and I look forward to being able to do this again. Follow me on Twitter, at WeirdGifts. Like my Facebook page, at Gifts of the Weird. Send me an email with ideas for topics or maybe some heathen musicians or guests that you think might be interesting to listen to on the podcast. Gifts of the Weird at gmail.com. If you like the music, check out Tanya Threed on CD Baby. It's uh, the Volospa album. It's a great album. I think you'll really enjoy it. Check out the show notes for links. Thank you, and hail the gods. Yeah.